Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. That's right. From the Dark Ages. Now, I know this is going to shock the heck out of you. We're talking about walking. And you might think, oh, gee, really? Is it that important? Well, if you're, if you're on the Extreme Health Challenge website, and it's extremehealthchallenge.com, uh, today is walking day. But I want to explain, because one of the things, when we talk about blood pressure, and I have to show people how to breathe, uh, I'm going to show you how to walk. But also, when you learn how to walk, you're going to be blown away. You're going to be able to identify certain pathologies at the mall. You're never going to be looking at um, people in the same way. I'm going to show you how to, how to reverse dementia and Alzheimer's by walking correctly. I'm going to show you how to do cross-crawl exercises by walking. It's going to be amazing. And so let's look at this. Okay, what does Harvard say? Uh, walking just one to two miles a day lowers blood pressure and decreases risk of stroke by 40%. And it's free. So this means that when you go to the store, you park a little bit further away. What about strengthening your bones? According to Brigham uh, Women's Hospital, Boston, stops bone mass loss, decreases risk of hip fractures by 40%. Talking just a mile a day, slows mental decline, according to the University of, of California, lowers Alzheimer's risk. Okay, and we're talking people who walked more than a quarter mile per day had half the incidence of dementia and Alzheimer's. How would you like to lower your risk of dementia and Alzheimer's by 50%, okay, just by walking a quarter mile a day? I, I mean, it's, it's like crazy. So... Um, now, it improves your mood, uh, releases natural painkillers, endorphins, helps you live longer. I mean, those who exercise regularly in their 50s and 60s are 35% less likely to die, okay, uh, over the next eight years, which, I mean, when you figure, I'm 58, okay, well, 57 plus a couple of months, I'll be 58. So, obviously, I have to walk out every day. Which day do you take off? None. So you have to walk, and this is seven days a week, minimum half half hour to an hour walking every day, and you are going to be healthier for it. Now, what do we have in this society, in this country? We have a sedentary lifestyle epidemic. I know some people will say that cooking is, or that that sitting is the new smoking. Well, that's not really the case. Sitting is not really this new smoking. Sitting is way more dangerous than smoking. And I'm talking sitting in one position, not moving. For one, you get no brain stimulation. And that's the key. The brain is stimulated through movement. But a sedentary lifestyle increases risk for all types of cancer, 100%. And we're talking cardiovascular disease, increases depression and mood disorders, increases cognitive decline, increases type 2 diabetes, erectile dysfunction, loss of sex drive, deterioration of the spine. If you look at uh, this article, Clinical Science of London, 2011, uh, listen to this. 
quote, humans are not programmed to be inactive. The combination of both accelerated sedentary lifestyle and constant food availability disturbs the ancient metabolic processes leading to excessive storage of energy in tissue. And so this would be dyslipidemia or an insulin resistance. And so that's a problem with, with fat in the blood and, and diabetes. Uh, so it's so simple. If we also look at some of the other uh, things, factors that we're exposed to, uh, prolonged TV viewing was associated with increased type, risk of type 2 diabetes, increased car, cardiovascular disease. And this is just sitting down, not moving, staring at TV. Now, when we look at ancient man, I know it seems odd, but when we back in the old days, ancient men would walk between um, 6 to 16 kilometers every day. And that's like uh, almost four to, 4 to 9 miles a day. And when we look at nowadays, we're walking less uh, than a mile and a half a day or less. That's the average person. Now, people usually sit about six to eight hours a day. So let's, we know that we're designed to walk more. If we walk less, it's going to be more toxic. If we don't change what we're doing, we're going to be in deep trouble immediately. Now, we're going to go over certain types of gait. Uh, now, what I want you to do is think in your mind if you've seen someone with Parkinson's. Well, what they have, they call a fenestent gait, where they, they walk very, very slow and sharp, where they're not really moving at the hips. They're mainly moving from the knee on down. Um, think of somebody with cerebral palsy. Their arms are pulled in like a chicken wing. It's called a scissors gait. Think of somebody walking with a stroke, where one leg is straight and one arm bent. So all of these different gaits aren't really a way of walking. It's a way that reflects the brain function. When we look at children, when you're an infant, walking on the toes is normal because the brain isn't fully developed. Now, however, if you see a teenager walking on the toes, that could indicate neurologic damage. In, in nowadays, one of the most common ways that people are damaged neurologically is through vaccines, um, medication, or toxic food. All of these can damage the brain function. This is why we're seeing one in two children today have a chronic illness or disease. And you can see that reflected in their gait. I know it seems odd, but when we get, and we're getting at least a, vac a couple of vaccine-damaged kids a week, almost one a day. And when you see this consistently, you'll see abnormal gait patterns, which indicate that the brain's been damaged. What is normal? So, so I, want you to, I want you to connect the dots here. If you're seeing an abnormal gait from abnormal brain function, and we know that gait or normal walking affects brain function, if we can alter and walk correctly, can we correct some of the damage of the brain? It's called yes or yes. Okay, I want you to really get this. So when I taught biomechanics, 
there's multiple, multiple phases where you break down the gate. And just think of somebody walking in your mind. When that leg swings through the air, okay, that's the swing phase. When the heel hits the ground, that's called heel strike. And then it goes to flat foot where the foot goes flat. And then we have heel lift where the heel comes off the ground. Then we have toe off where the toe pushes off. And then we go into a dorsiflexion where the foot lifts up. And then it starts to swing again. And then you go through the whole thing. So there's multiple phases of gait. And this is what I would teach the doctors to look at. Now, and, and it's hugely important that you watch how someone's walking in order to see how their brain is functioning. And now, so let's just break it down to two phases. What I'm going to talk about tonight is just swing phase and stance phase. And you'll see some people will have their toe pointed in when they're walking. Some of the toe will be out when they're pointed walking. So there's a lot of different um, variances that are going to show you how the person is actually functioning. If you have somebody that's walking like a duck where their feet are pointing out, that could be um, a balance issue, and the balance is, um, balance is a composite of three different aspects. One, it has to do with information coming up from the dorsal columns or the spine. The other is the cerebellum, and drugs can negatively affect the cerebellum. And the third one is the eyeball on the horizon, or it's also called the vestibular ocular system. So you need those three things, the dorsal columns, the cerebellum, and the vestibular ocular system, in order to maintain balance. Now, let's say that you're doing blood pressure drugs or cholesterol drugs or antidepressants or antacids. I mean, virtually every medication has dizziness or unsteady gait has an effect of that drug. And yes, I said effect, not side effect. So if you start to notice that your gait where your feet are starting to point out, it may be that the medications you're taking are negatively affecting the cerebellum. Let's say that you're a sedentary lifestyle. You're sitting at a desk. I've got to tell you, if you're not moving your body, your brain gets its information through movement. So if you're not getting a correct stimulation of, of movement into that brain, that cerebellum is going to be not affected correctly. And similar if you were taking a toxin like a medication or toxic food. So you've got to really look at how you're walking in order to appreciate it. Now, what I also want you to understand is that when you swing your arms, now this is hugely important, if you can have a friend watch you walk, what you're going to typically see is your dominant shoulder is going to be a little bit lower, like the right shoulder will be lower if you're right-handed. And that's normal because the musculature on that side is going to be a little bit heavy. You're going to be utilizing it more. A slight drop in one shoulder is not a big deal. However, when you're walking, you should see an equilateral swinging of the arms where the right arm is going to come up just as far as the left. What I'll typically see in people with, um, I don't want to say brain damage. What I want to say is lack of 100% of brain function. Because if I tell you brain damage is evident by an altered gait, even though that's true, I don't want you to get scared. 
okay, because the brain has this plastic effect. The brain can regenerate new neurons, and it does it through movement. See, that cerebellum, this little tiny brain at the back of the brain, controls the frontal lobe, and movement is a, one of the greatest stimulants to that cerebellum. So that means that movement is actually going to affect the entire frontal lobe. And this is going to be schizophrenia, dementia, Alzheimer's, brain fog, um, anxiety, stress, depression, impulse control. All of these are factors of that frontal lobe. And if you know that movement or correct movement can stimulate that frontal lobe, does that mean that, oh my gosh, if somebody has bipolar disorder or depression or anxiety or stress or impulse control, could that be a movement issue? Absolutely. Movement is a nutrient to the brain. So when I say a half hour walk in a day, if you don't have time to do it, if I said, look, do you want to eliminate brain fog? Do you want to reduce your risk of stroke? Do you want to reduce your risk of Alzheimer's and dementia and cancer? And all it takes is a half hour walk in a day? What do I got to do? Get a two by four and slap you upside the head? I'm willing to do that because I'd be doing it out of love, but I don't want to hit you in the head. So how about we just walk for a half hour a day? Now, if you have knee pain, foot pain, hip pain, obviously you're not going to be able to walk. So you've got to find a corrective chiropractor that's going to thoroughly assess you and regenerate the hips, regenerate the cartilage and the meniscus in the knees, restore a normal gait pattern. Okay, so so all of this stuff, you've got to look at how the system is working. Okay, th does that make sense? You've got to look at the biomechanics because when you talk about normal gait, how the body's working, you've got to look at normal physiology. Okay, now... Uh, when we look at pathologies, because I really want you to to own that um, if there's an abnormal gait, it's a clue. It's a clue that there's a problem. I, I know it seems like basic stuff, like of course, but knowing that you can correct it, knowing that you can change it. So knowing that if you have an abnormal gait, you're going to get abnormal brain function. If you have a normal gait, you're going to have normal brain function. So getting a normal gait, taking care of your ankle, your feet, your knee mechanics, your hip mechanics, your pelvis mechanics, this is all going to have a radical effect on how your brain re reacts to the environment. Since the nervous system controls and coordinates everything, can you now see how vital it is that you have a normal gait? I I'm, I'm, know there's about five people going, yes or yes. I know they're beating their radio right now. And that's true because you have to have um, a, appropriate motion. Now, uh, one of the exercises that I'd recommend is a foot on a block. As simple as this sounds, this means you put the ball of your foot on a block. We use a 4x4, four four, which is about 3.5 inches. Uh, there, let me see, there's 25 um, millimeters to the inch, so this would be um, probably about uh, 80 millimeters high. And and so you put your heel on the ground, your ball of your foot up on that, and bend your knee over your toe. Now most people, and this is a muscle on the back half of the calf uh, called the soleus, 
if this muscle doesn't move correctly, um, or then you're going to have dehydration of the knee, you're going to have altered mechanics of the foot, and you're going to have altered mechanics of the pelvis. So it's important that we have healthy foot. Now, when you're talking about walking, we've got to look at healthy shoes. Now, what kind of things, what kind of shoes are appropriate? Well, shoes that give you a full range of motion. What you want is shoes that bend, that turn, that twist, that lift. You don't want an elevated heel. You don't want an arch support. Okay, you want full range of motion of the hip, pelvis, and heel. Oh, boy. So <laughs> uh, then we have to look at the knee. Now, the way the knee works, okay, and this is vital, the knee works like a screw. Uh, that means it pivots on the outside half, and it moves twice as much on the inside. And that's where the meniscus is. It's it, uh, mainly on the inside portion of the knee, and that's where the, the joint moves. Also, one of the ligaments that holds the knee together is on the inside. So we have a very, very simple exercise where you're dangling your knees, where you're literally just um, swinging your leg back and forth in order to, um, well, in order to get uh, that joint hydrated. So check out our knee health video, check out our foot health video, and check out our pelvic health video because all of that stuff, it's it's vital to keep the... Um, it's vital to keep the, the gait corrected because uh, you have to look at how your body is. Then, once you've got good foot mechanics, you've got a good arch of the foot, you're walking barefoot a half hour a day. Obviously, if you're back east now, because right now we're in January, it's about zero degrees. We just had some patients from the Midwest, and they said it's minus 20, which is psychotic. Um, but you know, welcome to global warming. We're going to have extreme temperature changes. So it's going to get worse over the next few years. Uh, but find a place that you can walk, okay? Because if it's minus 20, you're not going to be outside for a long time. Um, but inside, you could do the leg dangling exercises. You could do the calf exercises. You could do the hip exercises. You can um, walk around in circles around your house. You can get... Um, a treadmill, which will also be appropriate. But the best, absolute best walking that you could possibly do is outside on the grass or wet sand barefoot. So if you're in an area of the world that you can do that, uh, imagine that you can. Okay? So get out there. I mean, take, it, take advantage of it. We're going to go over um, tonight a number of different gates, okay, and we're talking ataxic gait. That means uncoordinated gait. Now, that's the most common uh, with medication use. But I want you to walk and watch how your body is walking. So, in fact, if you're, if you're not driving or you're not sitting, if you have an opportunity, what I want you to do is just walk about 10 paces, just very, very simple, very, very gentle walk normally. But take note at how your hands are hanging. See, when you're standing up, you should, and your hands are resting by your side, you should see thumbs. If you see the back of your hands when you're looking in the mirror, 
or the back of your hands when you're standing up straight and your arms are resting. That means your pecs are way too tight or the muscles in the back are way too weak. There's a muscle imbalance. So we're having an internal rotation of the shoulder. Well, if you have an internal rotation of the shoulder and you go to walk correctly, you're not going to be walking well. I know. Isn't that cool? So, so not only is the shoulder position going to change how you walk, but when you walk, watch how far your arms come out. So if you have an asymmetrical presentation of the arms, or think of this, you're walking, your right arm's going up while your left leg's going back, then alternate, right arm, left arm, right arm, left arm, and you're seeing how the arms swing. If you see one side not swinging equally to the other, that could indicate a trauma of the shoulder. It could indicate the brain isn't functioning completely correctly. So I want you to force your arms to swing correctly. I want you to force your arms to swing equilaterally. And this is so simple and so easy. But if you get symmetrical movement, you're going to get symmetrical firing of the brain. How would you like to prevent brain fog by just walking a half hour a day with appropriate gait and appropriate arm swinging? How would you like to prevent dementia, Alzheimer's, stroke? Yeah, that's right. All of this stuff is just from walking correctly. Um, I'm also going to show you a couple of gates that are defensive. See, Parkinson's, which is definite damage to the brain, you're going to see their gait patterns are also can change based on vision. I know it seems weird, but we, we were watching a couple of um, tests. And if you've ever seen those uh, glasses, they're, they're four-shaded, but they have just a bunch of horizontal plastic lines. They don't have any lenses. And it's kind of like little shades for your eyes. Well, when you look through them, you see a bunch of horizontal lines. Typically, a person with Parkinson's, if they're walking on a painted uh, walkway, where it has horizontal lines, they can walk without any gait disturbances at all. And you're going to think, this is insane. So that means that the brain is intimately connected to walking. And a lot of people experiments have been done giving these people glasses that project horizontal lines, and then that gives them their brain a rhythmic attitude or a rhythmic expansion of their gait, and they're able to do a more normal gait pattern. I know, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do. I'm going to actually take a collar, and let's see what this person looks like. Okay, I'm going to answer one question. Hello. Now, do Hello? you have a question? Hi, uh, yes. this is Dr. Um, Bergman. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear Hello? you. I can hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. I can hear you. Can you hear uh, me? Yes, I could. Dr. Barber, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I live here in New York, um, but I was just on, I'm originally from Oregon. Uh, my dad lives there now. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on something. He's on a sure, battery what? of medica- He's on a battery of medications right now, and um, it's taking a major toll on him. And we've been pondering the idea of a physician-assisted suicide. Mm-hmm. Is this something do you think that we should follow through with, or do you think we'd uh, get approved with it? I mean, I, I'm I'm sitting here with my dad now. I'm in Oregon now, but I'm from New York. I'm here for the holidays. 
Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I can even put him on the phone with you, and he can kind of go over with what he's dealing with. Buddy, the most frustrating thing with with a challenge at the end of life, if somebody has has reached such a quality of life that that it's horrible, that it it's no fun to wake up. You don't have anything going on. Um, your body is in agony. You need drugs to keep you alive. That's a personal decision. And somebody needs to, if you have an appropriate functioning brain and where you're not delusionary, you, you're, you're fully cognitive, then you should be able to make that decision. You really should. And that, right. would, that would be appropriate for that person. Because it, the, the torturous thing is when physicians will say, look, life only, life only, life only. Yeah, I mean, try it. If you don't have bowel and bladder control, you can't do the things that you love. Um, you should have the right, because you've lived a long, healthy life, to choose how you leave this one. And and that's one of the toughest, toughest decisions to make. Can but I put him on that, the phone with you real quick? You, you could. All right. Uh, Dad, his name is Scott. Dad, why don't you speak to okay. Dr. Bergman? Scott. Buddy, how you doing, man? I have enlarged prostate. You have what? That's it? I have enlarged prostate. Okay. But it has in, weird in, side effects. You don't ejaculate. It. Yeah, it, it's going to have horrible side effects. Now, there's a couple of ways to fix the prostate. Yeah, if that's if that's yeah. the main issue, there's a lot of ways to fix it. When, one of the things, and this is when you're looking at how your body works, your body is naturally healthy. Okay, the problem is under physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your body's going to adapt to that. And in the psychotic medical world of today, they're going to look at physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Your body's going to respond with high blood pressure. Your body's going to respond with, with type 2 diabetes. Your body's going to respond with elevations in cholesterol, poor sleep patterns. Now, the problem is if you're inundated, because you are inundated now with toxins, almost all the animal products you've been eating got some kind of hormone in there which is going to swell the prostate up like crazy. Uh, if you're taking medications, huh? hamburgers, hot dogs, yeah. yeah, none of that stuff is going to be good for you. But what you can do, you can shrink the swelling of the prostate pretty darn quickly. You're get, you're going to be going up. Yeah, just, buddy, you could be on six. How old are you? How old are you? Scott, how old are you? Up. Oh, I'm on the daily aspirin. No, how old are you? How old are you? I'm on you? about 12 minutes. Yeah, yeah, about 12 medications. How old are you? 240. How old are you? You're not 240 years old. That'd be about I how much you weigh. Daughter, my heart. They <laughs> want to keep the, uh, the pressure down. I take okay. the both of um, neuropathy. I have neuropathy okay. of the legs from spinal stenosis. That's stool softener. Okay. Kill somebody okay. with a fucking shit bomb. Oh, yeah. It would yeah. tear okay. open my asshole. Literally, Buddy, my what, rocks coming out of my ass. Okay, what we got to do, okay, 
definitely don't do the whole physician-assisted suicide because you got a good personality and we got to get you healthy. Okay, you're being poisoned by the medicines, but you don't stop them. Sick people need drugs. What we got to do is get your body healthy. You got to you, you check out che- life. I know, but man, check out our prostate health. Because all we got to do, if we can get you walking better, if we can get you pooping better, if we can get you functioning better, you're going to have more fun and you're going to want to be around. So you got to get your congestion at night. <laughs> I know, and then the nasal spray's got Benadryl in it, which is going to negatively affect the brain, and then that's going to cause brain fog, and the blood pressure dr- drugs are going to cause erectile dysfunction and poor sleep patterns. Forget about the cholesterol drugs; that's going to cause anxiety and depression. I know, I know. You're in a you're in a drug culture, okay? But there's yeah. a there's a solution, man. There's a solution. What would you do if we got you healthy? What would you do? Yesterday I had two slices of pizza. No, not what would you eat. What would you do? I got one minute forty seconds to talk to you. I got one minute forty seconds to talk to you. What I'm I not want out of you control, to do? No, I don't eat lunch. Okay. <laughs> I have a pill Buddy, case. I've got I've got a minute. <laughs> I've got it's 90 seconds to talk to you. I got to get going, so I I don't want to end this right now. But check out our videos on prostate health. We got to shrink the swelling of the prostate. Have your son check it out. You got too much going on, buddy. Your body can heal. You're just being slowly poisoned by the medications. Okay. No kidding. Yeah, chronic obstructive pulmonary. Okay, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be losing you. I've got less than forty seconds to talk to you. Okay, Scott, hang in there, buddy. Check out our videos. Okay, I'll do whatever I can. Contact me through the internet. Call call our office at Bergman Family Chiropractic in Huntington Beach, and I'll talk to you on the phone afterwards. But I've got to I've got to end the radio show. Huh? Just give me a call, man. I'll do whatever I can. We got to get you healthy. Okay, I got to hang yes. up now because I got to sign off. But give a give a call to the office. I'll tell them that you're going to give us a call. Okay, man. Yeah, yeah. hang in there. Give your son a hug. You probably got grandkids. We got to get you out there. Yeah, I got to get going. I'll talk to you later. Than this life. I know, I know, but let's see if we can build this life up. Call me down here. I'll talk to you later. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.